Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Lego builds a Nintendo. Peacock officially hits the airwaves. And the alienist returns for another mystery. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, and also Inside Sports Fantasy Football and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please, please, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. We've got a few more five-star reviews over the course of the past week, so we cannot thank everybody enough for listening to the show and appreciating what we do. I do want to give everybody a heads up. We've got more great content on the way. If you're getting all set for the sports world and the NBA to come back, I've got an absolute ton of Lakers Fast Break podcast coming either well, it's either dropped this week or it's coming on the way because I've got a lot of interviews that I've got done already and I've got some more coming up on the NBA bubble coming up. Plus also as well, we've got more great pop culture stuff, including more Star Wars mercenaries. And hopefully in the near future, we'll be returning to finish and complete our adventure in the Lost Mine of Fandover. I know a lot of people have been liking that. I've got thousands of views on our tabletop rpg gaming so i cannot thank you uh, cannot thank everybody enough for doing that if you go ahead support us any way you can right here at pop culture cosmos it is truly appreciated want to also give a big shout out to bill who sent us another great email once again talking about our episode with tron and also sears shutting down or at least you know, in the process of doing that. So I want to thank him for going ahead and sending us another outstanding letter, giving him some props. And also thank the folks at Radioactive Malta and also J-Man Radio for making some nice billboards. I hope you got a chance to see that on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. They really did a nice job. And welcome to Raw Talk Online as well. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is the creator and now part of the Josh Cinematic Universe. You got to catch what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His great podcast, the Super BS Gamescast, and also Topicocalypse, plus his book, which you got to get today at Barnes and Noble and Amazon, called Congratulations, You Suck. 
It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? What's going on, man? I'm uh big things coming around the corner here with video games. So I've been trying to like go back and replay some of the old ones. I know Microsoft's gonna be announcing a lot of sequels, so I'm uh pretty excited about all this stuff. So am I, my friend, and I'll tell you what, there's a lot to talk about on today's show, which will include some games, including the latest release from PlayStation, which is Ghost of Tsushima. We'll talk about the early reactions to it, why you're excited about it, and what we can expect going forward for the Ghost of Tsushima. Also, as well, we're going to be talking about a lot of great things, including we're going to go back in time for some Nintendo, because Lego has come out with a set or is coming out with a set that's going to have you build your own Nintendo entertainment system. We're going to have our comments on that. Plus, we're also going to be talking about our latest 10 in our countdown of the top 100-ish movie countdown coming up for you. It's going to be numbers 20 to 29 coming up on that countdown. That's coming up later in the program. We're going to be talking about Peacock, which debuted Wednesday. Initial thoughts on that. The X-Men on Disney+, Plus, X-Men Days of Future Past, it dropped on Disney+. Plus. We're only going to talk about that just for a few minutes just because there's some oh, some interesting things that happened because it's uncensored. It's the actual true theatrical version, and we're going to talk about why that's important coming up. Plus also The Alienist, one of my favorite series of 2018 and something if you can catch it, I think TNT has made it available free for right now. So if you catch the original season one of The Alienist, I highly, highly recommend it because the sequel, season two, called The Alienist, Angel of Darkness, that debuts this Sunday on TNT and we're going to talk about that. Star Wars has just announced that it's coming out with a new series, an animated one coming up next year we're going to talk about that coming up as well so much to talk about my friend but first off it is goes to Tsushima I'm looking up I got Metacritic right up right now it's getting an average of around right around 83 so that's pretty good reviews right there pretty strong a lot of people are enjoying it it is a beautiful game that's the first thing I can say you know we're expecting that now because it's the back end of this console generation so we're expecting more and more quality games I'm expecting less and less bad games to come out because these developers have now really got a tune of what the PlayStation 4 is all about. So I want to hear your thoughts. How excited for you now about Ghost of Tsushima? I know you were originally. It's a beautiful game of what I've seen from the the videos that I've I've looked at and and already the game streams that are already out. Even though the game doesn't come out until actually when this audio version of this drops on Friday, it looks like it's a game worth playing. Okay, so I have a, before I dive into this, I have a thought. You know what's really been bothering me is IGN. So I am stoked on this game. I've been waiting to play this game for a long time. You know, I'm going to buy it tomorrow, and I'm going to pick it up or bring it home and play it probably most of the day. And let me ask you, wait, so, hold on, hold on. When doesn't IGN bother you? Very rarely, it would seem. So you know, like when you go to a like friend's or family's house, and inevitably there's little kids running around, and they're like, Facebook, Instagram without encountering IGN shoving their game score, the, the score that they gave uh, Ghost of Tsushima right in your face. I'm like, okay, cool, but I don't want to know because I don't want to have my opinion of a game spoiled by you guys. But inevitably, I saw the score anyways. So, you know, they gave it a nine. 
But yeah, I'm excited about this game. And you know what's impressive about this is that even Japanese critics are giving it high praise, which really, I think, says something about the care and attention they put into this game. You know, it feels like an art piece, but it also feels, I don't know, it it feels, it seems like it has that Assassin's Creed vibe, you know, where you can kind of walk around the entire world. But like, I feel like I am going to experience emotions while playing this game. That's something I haven't had happen in a really long time. What are your thoughts, though? Well, this is going to be two in a row for PlayStation exclusives because obviously last month they came out with The Last of Us 2, which even though it was very divisive amongst fans, it is a game that is one of the highest rated games of this generation. You're seeing now, at again, like I was saying, at the back end of this console generation, you're seeing some of the finest games being made. And that's not unlike what we saw from the previous generation, because at the end of the Xbox 360 PS3 cycle, we were seeing some of the best quality games overall, because developers are beginning to maximize every single bit of the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And you're seeing that now. And you're right. Ghost of Tsushima looks like a winner. It looks like something that is going to delve really into a lot of special things. Story-wise, I hear it, it's okay, but it, the look of it and the action and the gameplay is really what's going to sell people on Ghost of Tsushima. Well, I, I feel like story-wise, too, like it, it seems to have a very strong narrative. You know, I, I would even say it's akin to that of a of a, like a historical epic you know of sorts like something if ridley scott made a video game it would look something like this and you know i might just be speaking prematurely but it it truly does look like it has a story that is going to make you really feel for what these characters are are going or went through if you're looking at it historically and it's you know i i don't know if it's a game that's going to like merit a franchise or a sequel or whatever but this game right here if it's just a standalone, it looks to be an experience that you probably won't forget anytime soon. I have a feeling if it does anywhere near decent numbers that we're going to be seeing a sequel because it's off to a good start. Strong reviews, good word of mouth. That can't hurt it at all. So I think that PlayStation will come back to it at some point in time down the road. Whether or not they make it one of their marquee franchises, i.e. The Uncharted, i.e. The Last of Us, Spider-Man, Horizon Zero Dawn, some other type of PlayStation exclusives that have come out that have really garnered a lot of praise. I hope it gets into that realm because it looks like something that a lot of people will be enjoying coming up here in the near future. And I think a lot of people will be out there excited for this because it is dropping Like I said, as this audio podcast portion is going to be dropping on Friday. So that's when Ghost of Tsushima drops. So I know a lot of gamers out there are excited for this game. And coming at the tail end, this is going to be one of the last major releases for this console generation as far as exclusively by itself. Pretty soon you're going to start hearing, okay, it's going to be on the PlayStation 4, but it's also going to be on the PlayStation 5. And in fact, Sony this week announced that it's going to do what it can to double the amount of expected production initially for the PlayStation 5. Initially, you said it was only going to be able to produce 5 million within the first few months and the first few weeks of the life cycle. They actually said they're going to try and do what they can to increase that to 10 million. So 
that's a good sign that there's enough demand on the PlayStation 5 already. But getting back to Ghost of Tsushima, it looks like that this game, it looks so beautiful. And it, that's the thing, Josh. When you have a game that looks like this and plays like this, I mean, is it going to be harder for people to go ahead and say, yeah, I'm ready to go ahead and drop $500 on the PlayStation 5? Because right now what we're seeing on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One is really darn good. I don't know if Ghost of Tsushima is going to make me buy a PS5 because it's coming on the PlayStation 4, obviously. But if Ghost of Tsushima is, you know, the the precedent for what we could expect on the PS5, then yeah, it might give me a, a little more interest in it. I would hope that Sony is going to do what Microsoft is doing and offer, you know, free upgrades of these games instead of making you go out and buy, you know, a whole other copy. I think that's 2K, what 2K, uh, 2K, 2K, 2K. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like that's what kind of killed a lot of uh, console sales for both the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Remember, they had the Assassin's Creed games came out at the same exact time, and they didn't do anything to offer free upgrades for them. Though later on, you know, Square got them to issue upgrades for Final Fantasy 15, but it's it just, it. I would hope that they would do something like this. You know, and as for your question, uh, Sony ramping up production on the PS5. I, I hope that that is because they're kind of backpedaling on what they said before. Remember, they were like, hey, so due to COVID and low supplies, this it's possible that these consoles aren't going to be that great. We're going to have to come back and make, you know, make a second run. And so people weren't like really confident in what they were doing. And now they're doubling down and saying, hey, we're creating more. So are they creating more of like good quality or are they creating more of the half butt consoles that they were talking about before? It's kind of confusing. Well, Xbox just announced that they are discontinuing the digital versions of the Xbox One S, the Xbox One X, which I had told you already, Josh, I wasn't exactly thrilled to begin with because I like my disc player. But, you know, what can I say? It's just something that is going to be changing over the next few months. We're going to be seeing a lot of things going on within the console realm because PlayStation 5 and the Xbox next generation is going to be here very shortly upon us so the xbox series x and the playstation 5 while they're getting the hype here we're seeing at the end of this console generation one of the finest times for us because you're going to see right now ghost of tsushima that's coming out this weekend and also the last of us part two two of the best games of this generation for sony hitting store shelves and people enjoying it and people liking it and well in the case of the last was two people talking about it at least but ghost of tsushima i don't think it's going to get that kind of player divisiveness i think it's just people are going to go ahead and enjoy what sucker punch has to offer but what are your thoughts out there on ghost of tsushima it drops this weekend for playstation 4 owners are you excited about it are you ready to play it are you playing it now go ahead and let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com plus also as well popculturecosmos humanity media and game source on facebook twitter and instagram as well and now we're popculturecosmos on tiktok as well hey this is chad from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop culture cosmos podcast for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba Check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts.
But my friend, there's more to talk about when it comes to the world of pop culture. And also coming up later in the program, there's going to be a few minutes of the Super BS Gamescast because you guys on the Super BS Gamescast want to go ahead and give you guys a big shout out out there because you did recently your summer game report. And it's available now on Anchor and wherever you get your podcasts. And that's the Super BS Gamescast. So we're going to check in with you guys for you and Brank on the Summer Game Report coming up later in the program. But first, I want to talk about Peacock. It dropped this past Wednesday. The free and, of course, much more layered pay version as far as that whole streaming outlet has now dropped upon viewers it's kind of still hard to get because it's not available on roku or amazon as of this recording which is kind of hard because you actually want to see it on your big screen television so i want to ask you your thoughts on peacock it is an interesting concept because it's also promoting a free option to sample to get you to buy the bigger chunk of stuff that's out there that's available on peacock so are they giving is it the free version you said is kind of like with um, like Crunchyroll, how you could watch things or Crackle and that's Sony's. You could watch things for free, but you had to watch you know ten minutes worth of ads per episode. Is that what we're talking about? I'm I'm assuming that there's ads on it, but it is just completely free. There's like, uh, let's say they've got twenty thousand hours on the, on the whole Peacock Pay channel. I believe the free service is a portion of that, just a very small portion of that. Is is something? Is this something you might be interested in? No, <laughs> uh, at least not not at the moment. You know, it's it's. I just got HBO Max, and you know, I'm paying for Disney Plus, and I'm paying for Netflix. Like I've I've got almost fifty dollars of streaming, you know, bills and streaming right now. I don't need another one. A lot of the things you mentioned, like Fast and the Furious, a couple other Universal properties, like they're available on HBO Max right now. So. I mean, until those run out, then, you know, maybe I'll think about going back. And it also depends on what I want to watch. But I want to know more about, like, the catalog. You know, is the is the Mummy available? Are the Jurassic Park movies on there? What are the offerings here, you know? And, like, I, I just – is it – I noticed, like, like, on Hulu, right? Like, you have to watch commercials during the things. Like, I need to know more about it. Like, I might be willing to sit down and try the free version of it, but, like, Right now, I feel like $50 a month on streaming stuff is already too much. So if I added another like $15, $10, whatever it might be on there, it's just, it's, where does it stop, you know? We wanted more, we got more, and now it's it's something that we may not be enjoying as much as we thought because with all this extra content comes the extra price. But Peacock Premium is $4.99 a month, and I'm showing it to everybody here on Facebook Live, but they do have an extended free edition as far as what's available as far as you know from their library i'm showing here parks and recs saturday night live they're talking about fear and loathing in las vegas the born identity they're all their universal movie um, universal movies or at least a great deal of them uh, a lot of their nbc shows that they're famous for like 30 rock the today show you know stuff that's also current that they're putting on there as well that you're going to be seeing superstore it's just so many other shows that they've got in the library that they're going to be showing, whether it's on a free option or the full premium option, they're going to have it right there for you. I think if you're an NBC Universal fan, this is something you're going to be interested in. But to me, it's going to come down to the exclusives and what they're offering that nobody else has. 
and the original content that nobody else has because Netflix just released its top 10 movies of all time that they've produced, that they've done. And when you have the Extraction movie that Chris Hemsworth did recently that debuted that has garnered about 100 million views, I mean, that shows you that people want original content. And I think that's something that they have to keep in mind. Yeah, of course, they're going to be showing you all the stuff that you've already seen on NBC, or at least a lot of it. I know Cheers. I know a lot of other old shows like that. But you really have to go ahead and search out to see if it's something interesting for you. But at least starting off, there is going to be a decent bit of content, either on a free or pay basis. You know what I've noticed with some of these uh, streaming services, the network-specific ones? They have actually... The networks have discontinued DVD sales of a lot of this stuff. So the only way to really watch it is to go through a streaming service. Like if you look at Cheers, right? Like Cheers, you can't really find, you know, I mean, you can find the DVDs from secondhand sellers, but you can't really get them uh, as, as easily as you could before. So, I mean, if I want to go back and watch Cheers, like I love Cheers. It's one of my favorite shows. Uh, I might be more inclined to like, you know, maybe subscribe for a month. To me, it, it all depends on the content. And, you know, I'm not too the exclusive content is, yeah, whatever. I usually watch that stuff based on what I hear from, you know, reviews and other people. But it's, uh, I, I would hope that, you know, we would get something that, for example, like I would love a, like a side story in the Jurassic Park world, you know, maybe something that's like 12 episodes and there's not like 50 different series like Marvel does, but something that's like, a side story or like maybe something that ties into their movie universes. I would be, if that were to happen, then yes, I would be on board for Peacock. Well, there you go. I mean, it's up to, again, it's all about what people are looking for. I know Disney plus we're going to be talking about here in a second. Uh, Netflix as they're the, they're the monster in the room right now. You and I both dig in what Amazon prime's been doing with the boys. There's Jack Ryan, there's the marvelous Miss Maisel. I mean, there's so many different great shows on that forum. Uh, a lot of things that we've talked about with HBO Max recently. That seems to be of the three new streaming outlet debuts, and then of course Queeby down there, and then also Apple Plus with the new Tom Hanks movie. But they're still they're still in need of content. Just literally, just need to throw some content out there, in my opinion. I think with HBO Max right now getting most of the headlines of the new streaming services, it's going to be hard for Peacock to find its niche. It's going to have to find something outside of the more familiar shows that you're already watching on NBC to go ahead and stick out amongst the rest or at least put themselves in that upper echelon because I think they're right there. I mean, when you consider HBO Max, HBO Max is starting off with the powerhouse stuff that they've got and the news that they've created with the Snyder Cut and all the other stuff that they've got and the original content, they're coming out right at a little bit higher realm than what Peacock is at this point in time. But Peacock still has a chance with the right amount of content that's original and exclusive to them to get in that conversation with Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, and Netflix. I think they can. I don't, I'm not selling them short now, but I think they are a little bit behind the eight ball right now. 
Yeah, but they also have a really big library of content, though. I mean, Universal is, they've made some of the greatest movies ever made. So, I mean, if they were to put some of those classics, kind of like how HBO Max has the Turner Classic movie section up there, like if they were to put some of their classics up there, it could be something that very well does pull people in. You never know. You never know. I I know they're going to have, like you said, with the Universal movies that they have, there's that are dating way back that they could go ahead and really get people involved and invested. And a lot of the old shows that they had from the 70s, the 80s, they could really get people hooked into Peacock. So I'm not discounting Peacock at this point in time. I just think that since they are the second major streaming service to debut this year, they are a little bit behind the eight ball. If they would have come out this time last year, just before Disney+, Plus. I think that would have set themselves up even better. But again, it, to me, it's all about timing, first impressions, and what you got. Right now, it's it's not a bad first impression, especially the fact that they are offering a segment of their library free. Not on a seven-day trial, but free. You can go ahead and do that. And if you want the pay service, there is a seven-day free trial. It is $4.99 a month to let everybody know out there once again. It is Peacock. We'll be keeping an eye on Peacock. I know the the name still is kind of like not exactly going over 100%, but the channel itself, whether or not that's going to exist and continue and prosper down the road, we'll keep an eye on right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. What are your thoughts out there on Peacock? Want to go ahead and hear your thoughts on that? Are you watching it? Are you checking out the free version, the pay version, or both? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. My friend... X-Men on Disney+, Plus, X-Men Days of Future Past, in my opinion, the best of the X-Men films, outside the Logan. I want to say Logan is my number one, but I don't know if you consider that an X-Men, X-Men or X-Men group or whatnot. Speaking of Logan, did you know, sorry, I know it's a side tangent for a second. Did you know that the girl from Logan plays Lyra in His Dark Materials on HBO, the Golden Compass series? Did not know. Completely blew my mind. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Now that your mind's been blown, there's some joke in there somewhere, but I won't say. X-Men Days of Future Past just hit Disney+. Plus. And the reason why this is important, because, yes, they, they bought 20th Century Fox's stuff, and it's and they're now going to go ahead and filter that in, is the fact that they brought it in uncensored. And we talked about this, I think, on the previous episode with Hugh Jackman's booty out there for everyone to see. And also as well, they drop a couple F-bombs on there. And the reason why I'm making this important is because the fact that, uh, you know, Josh, I know know, you've heard me say before that I think the eventuality of Disney Plus is that they shut down Hulu and merge it within the confines of Disney Plus because Hulu itself is not making as much of a big impression on the streaming industry. I mean, we talked about right now with, with Peacock. Hulu right now is not considered one of the top three, one of the top four right now as far as streaming services. We just Hulu's there, but it's it needs to need something more. And I think if we were to merge with Disney Plus, I think that would be a step in the right direction. Plus, a big win for Disney Plus viewers. Yeah, I don't know. What's nice about Hulu is the fact that like they they have all the non Disney content. Like this is a great place for the Fox films to go. But you're getting into a weird territory with X-Men because X-Men is Marvel and Marvel's part of Disney. So it's like it's 
very weird territory. And, you know, I'm like, what happens when Deadpool makes its arrival? You know, that's going to be even worse. Like, Deadpool's part of the Marvel market. It'll probably end up on Disney Plus in the Marvel section. So, but it, would it be an R rated version or a PG 13 version? There again, I mean, I, but I mean, both versions are going to have adult material in them. You know, it's like even the PG 13 one has no shortage of even Hamilton so. that just dropped had some adult situations in it. So, Ooh. or adult Ooh. language in it. I know they, they edited the F bombs out, but they, the uh, insinuations of what were going on in there were things that are of an adult nature. So it was kind of content that was un Disney plus like now, obviously it was a big hit for them and it was great for watching for me, but I'm just saying that this could be something that we're seeing Disney plus lacks some of its rules and guidelines that they initiated with in order to go ahead and bring more content, which it's what they need bring more content to their platform. Yeah. I mean, and like I, I think that having the access point for Hulu inside the Disney Plus app would be a great idea. But, you know, at that point, you'd have to do like what HBO Max or Netflix or any of these streaming companies do. And you have to differentiate like, hey, is it this is like how old is this kid? Like by profiles, right? They ask you how old you are. Like do you you make a kid's profile and then you only give them access to certain things. But then does that defeat the whole purpose of, of Disney? You know, and it's like it's. Well, how does it's Netflix kind of muddled do it? Ter- Netflix does it like they have Netflix kids, right? So there's only like certain uh, rated content is allowed for child viewing, whereas the adult profiles can watch anything. So, I mean, it just depends on how far they want to go. But I know a lot of parents are cool with Disney because most of the content is more or less appropriate. But again, it's about trying to gain viewers, trying to build that viewership Hamilton, again, which does touch on some adult themes, was the biggest hit on Disney Plus. And, and it, just a source of new viewership, new subscriptions, everything on that. So I'm just seeing the relaxation of their rules and guidelines coming up in the near future, especially like you said with Deadpool. Yeah, putting it on Hulu is great, but... I'm thinking at some point in time, the Hulu content is going to have to go, and they're going to, like you said, create profiles. HBO Max. HBO Max came out. They've got, like like we've talked about, the cartoons, the Looney Tunes. They've also got, I think, Fraggle Rock. I think they've got also Sesame Street as well. But, yeah, they've got all the hardcore stuff that you see from HBO and that they've distributed out there. So, again, they're balancing it. And Netflix is balancing it. I think at some point in time, in order to just make it a a fulfillment stage, because I understand Disney Plus has done that deal where you can combine Hulu, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus and put them all together in the package. I think at some point in time, you're just going to go ahead and see ESPN content and also Hulu content, raise the price a few dollars, and just put it all on Disney Plus. I think that's eventually what's going to happen, because Disney Plus is the one that you want to push the most at this time. Well, from what I understand, Walt Disney only wakes up from cryosleep every 10 years. So <laughs> maybe next year when he pops out of the ice, they can ask him what his thoughts are on it, and then we'll get a more definitive thing maybe come next year's D23. In the long run, I think it just makes sense for Disney Plus to have all this content all in one place. What are your thoughts out there on Disney Plus possibly becoming just one big conglomerate and getting all the stuff from Hulu and ESPN Plus? Share us your thoughts 
popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get? How will he get it? And how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. My friend, are you feeling like building some Legos? I'm always feeling like building Legos. What kind of question is that? Well, the reason why I'm saying is because Lego and Nintendo, they're getting all friendly. And you can build your own Nintendo Entertainment System complete with a television to show it off. Now, mind you, well, it's actually a 1980s-style TV set back in my day, but it's only going to show you just simulated images. It's not actually you can go ahead and pop your favorite NES game in there, which was the kind of bummer part for me because if you're going to spend, what is it, $230 on it, you're going to have to have that bad boy working for me because that's a whole lot of money for a whole lot of Legos. You know, it's funny because the Harry Potter Hogwarts castle costs I want to say like three fifty to four hundred dollars, and it has more parts than that. So, this is just like you're you're paying for the, what the novelty of moving Mario across the screen when you're done. Yeah, it just if you're gonna charge that much money for something, yes, it needs to actually play the cartridge. And you know, with with technology, with how compact they made the uh, Super Nintendo Classic, they they could easily do something like that. I'm sure. I just like it. it just it feels weird. Like why? What is the purpose of this? You know, it, it, it's it's kind of like Sega making this is a the purpose of it, my friend. Ar- Cash arcade. money. Cash money is the purpose of it. But go ahead. And it's like only a specific set of collectors is going to buy it. Like it's not going to be something that appeals to a mass market. So at you know three hundred dollars a pop, is it going to be something that really hits a lot of people? Is it going to justify the cost of producing things like this? And I honestly don't think that it will. Well, it about two thirty. About two hundred fifty dollars of tax, where you buy it from. But yeah, it's from, right now a Lego exclusive, but it'll be out to general audiences at a later point in time. It's about two thousand six hundred and forty-six pieces. Are you going to have the time to go ahead and build something that's two thousand six hundred forty-six pieces? Uh, no, probably not. I mean, I barely have time to make my own lunch most days, so I don't know if that's going to be on the table for me. Well, we'll hear more about Lego Nintendo, the NES system that you can build with Legos coming up here in the near future, I'm sure. And we'll keep reporting on it if people are really interested in it and the things they're going to do with it right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, before we get to a countdown, I want to run by two more things real quick. And that's The Alienist, one of my favorite shows that I listed for 2018. I cannot say enough good things about this show. The series was just awesome in its first season run. It's coming back for a second season coming this Sunday to TNT. I don't know if you're a big fan of The Alienist like I was, but The Alienist Angel of Darkness is coming this Sunday, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of trailers for that. I thought that that was an HBO show, and I don't know why. So the alienist kind of reminds me, it has that look and vibe of Penny Dreadful. Am I hitting the right spot there? Yeah, or is late, it late, kind of... late 1800s type deal, yeah. But it's it's not going into the supernatural part of it as you're talking about. It does touch on it a little bit, but it tries to keep it within a realistic realm. It doesn't deal with the monsters yet. It dealt with a Jack the Ripper type deal. 
it, it does it in a realistic fashion. It does. It's a murder investigation, trying to use whatever techniques they have and maybe try and develop some of its own at that point in time. But it is extremely interesting to see that lifestyle and then also the character interaction. And Daniel Bruhl does. Actually, Luke Scott, Dakota Fanning, uh, they all do a great job on the show. So you get a chance to check it out. But yeah, it's just an interesting dive into the late 1800s. I don't know why. I'm just digging some stuff that's out there. The Order 1886, the storyline and the actual ambiance of that game, I'm hoping uh, we'll get a sequel to that. I know the gameplay stunk, and I know the fact it was only like five hours, six hours long kind of stunk too, but the actual ambiance and, and era of that game kind of interests me for some reason, and The Alienist, but this was just a quality show, and I'm hoping people give the sequel. In fact, you can still stream. I think TNT's made the first season available free right now, if I'm not mistaken. At least they did for a period of time leading up to Angel of Darkness, so I hope you get a chance to check it out. I'm intrigued. I might give it a view. I'm, I'm in the middle of a couple things right now, but I'll put that on my queue. Sounds good. What are your thoughts out there on The Alienist? As Angel of Darkness drops this weekend on TNT, share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hope you are as excited as I am for Alienist, Angel of Darkness. Speaking of another show, which we're going to be talking about right now, real quick, the folks at Star Wars just announced The Bad Batch, which is a group of ragtag soldiers from the Clone Wars series, because that series ended on such a high note, they couldn't just leave it alone. So they're doing this spinoff that's going to be debuting on Disney Plus 2021. Is this of interest for you, or is this just for those fans who really were focused on and enjoying so much of Star Wars The Clone Wars? Is this a live-action series, or is this another CG series? CG. It's all animated. It's Like I said, it's, it's from characters that you would have seen in Star Wars The Clone Wars. Okay. Uh, I mean, I... I'm sure people will watch it. I, I, I have a hard time with you know the CG stuff just because there's so much of it now, and I like I meant to go back and rewatch it, and I never, I couldn't, I didn't have the time. You know, there's too much. So I, I mean, it, I don't know. Like, tell me your thoughts on this. I feel like they need to stop adding on to old Star Wars canon. Like, if they're trying to head in a different direction, they need to kind of focus elsewhere. I would like to see that, but they want all these side stories. Now, it's worked with The Mandalorian, so that's the problem. The Mandalorian has been such a big hit. What else can we draw from existing properties? What else can we do touching on things that we've already seen in the Star Wars universe? The Mandalorian, which has been such a big hit for Disney+, Plus, is something that you're going to see more of, like the Rogue One spinoff and all these others, the Ben Kenobi spinoff. These are all things that are familiar to us from the Star Wars universe, and the Star Wars, the Clone Wars, was such a tremendous hit because in this last season, it garnered such praise. Critics absolutely loved it. It was a great way to close out the series, and I'm so thankful that they went ahead and did that final season, but they just couldn't leave it alone. They found something that they could pluck from there, and they could go ahead. And actually, they're, they're doing more than one thing that they're plucking from there because they're creating a live action series for the main hero of, of Star Wars The Clone Wars, Ahsoka. And she is going to have her own series, most likely a live action series of it. But this is going to be an animated version. And I'm just looking forward to seeing what the Bad Batch offers. But I don't know how much they can stretch that out. I don't know how much these sight gags and the, and the comedic 
tones that they offer, how this is going to be so much better than what they're doing before. I don't really know how much momentum it's going to have from what we saw in Star Wars The Clone Wars. So it's kind of difficult. I mean, this is different than Star Trek The Lower Decks because that's something off totally off the beaten path that's coming for CBS All Access. This is something that's going to be just a, a spinoff in the Star Wars Clone Wars series. Yeah, well, I mean, wasn't it Rebels kind of like that too? Yeah. They it kind of, it connected to Clone Wars. I just I feel like there's there's too much, you know. They need to stop expanding. Like, let that story be laid to rest. And uh, you know, if they're gonna do this, then end it. You know, end the series there. Tie up all the loose ends and give people the closure that they need, and then give us something new. Give us something new, indeed. What are your thoughts out there on Star Wars The Bad Batch? Are you excited to see the spinoff from Clone Wars? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com My friend, just want to go ahead and drop right now for those listening on the audio portion of the podcast, a couple minutes right now for the Super BS Gamescast. Super, Super. Super. BS. How are y'all doing? This is us at Super Beer-ish. Coming back to you. It's me, Branky Boy, Baby Boy Brank, and I'm joined by... Who am I joined by? Janky Jankerson. What up, what up, what up? Janky Jankerson. The the name's so nice, I gave it to myself twice. Oh, no. Why are we never going back to... Okay, maybe we'll go to our normal names at some point. I did like Brank because that was my handle for a lot of things. Anyways, little boy, baby boy, wonderful boy, Jank. What are you... uh, What have you been playing, man? So I finished Alan Wake, and I know we talked about that before. I played the DLC. Actually, wait. Did we talk about alan wake though i know you're talking about going through games in the past and remedy stuff but were you playing alan wake at that point i was yes yes so i finally you know i finally sat down finished the game i played the dlc did not like the dlc like the the two bone american nightmare no no not or the ones that are dlc of the game yeah the dlc to the game because there was the signal and the writer they're basically extra chapters and like what really bothers me is when developers take leftover material right and they call it they call it dlc or expansion and they just kind of like create this half butt level for the game and they 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 don't really put a lot of effort into it because i played this hoping to really give me more depth to the story but it, it didn't it just kind of put me in a circle again and then i ended it ended the game feeling really frustrated about it so i kind of wish i didn't play them because they were one super confusing and two ridiculously difficult to play. Yeah, I I remember really liking. I think it's the writer, the second one. Is it the signal or the writer, the second one? One of them is like book pages, and I hated that one. Or like words. Yeah, that was was that, that was the, the the signal. The writer is the second okay. one. Yeah. The, yeah, the writer I think was much better, but it is kind of funny that era specifically. I mean, you can still see it occasionally in some games that are just like less modern that the DLC of that era was like B-sides to like albums. Like it was like the songs that didn't fit. And just like a B-side, like, you know, maybe 10% of the time it's really good. You know, most of the time B-sides are that. They were not cut for the reason. (laughs) That's why they were not on the album. 
what are you uh, going to move on to after Alan Wake? So I'm, I'm in the middle of a few games right now. I, I went on to, I played Alan Wake's American Nightmare. And where the how is that? It's it's actually really fun. You know all the the problems with the gameplay in the first one. How like the moving around feels really clunky. Anytime you jump, you probably will end up falling off of a cliff or diving into a ravine on accident. They fixed all that stuff with American Nightmare. Like it it plays so smooth, and the weapons are so much better. It just it feels like a a better game, but. Where um, Alan Wake 1 succeeded in telling a really great story, American Nightmare doesn't really have much of a story. Granted, it's a short game, but it doesn't have like the, the mystery and, and intrigue. So you go to three different places because you're trying to prevent, like you find out what happened, you know, what, what happened to yourself in the end of the first game in American Nightmare. So it kind of is done through the premise of like, what are those shows within the, sh- the show within the game? I forget what it's called, like something. Um, Hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? They have you play you go to the I, TVs and they have the the show on TV. In yeah, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, though, yeah. it's like last time yeah, on. Right. And it's a it's a name of a town. I can't remember Bright, what the name of the Bright town Falls? is. I think. Is it, I don't remember. Yeah, it could be last time on Bright yeah, Falls. Yeah, so it you it shows that like you it starts off it has that kind of narration and you, so you don't know if like this is another dream or if this is actually happening. Is it just an episode of the TV show? But it's it's basically plays out like that. So you go to three different places to try to stop, you know, the the evil version of yourself that was created in the first game named Mr. Scratch. You go to these three places and you keep rewriting reality and then you end up having to do this four times. So you ba- you play the game four times before it finally ends. And that's like it. I don't know. It's That's where the story falls short for me. But the gameplay really great. I started Quantum Break. I got through the first act. It's, you know, it's, there's not much gameplay. It's rough. It's rough. There's not a lot of gameplay. It has a lot, a lot of narrative to it and not a lot of gameplay. But anything else to add, my dude? No, that's it. Just, uh, you know, you can check us out on anchor.fm or on Spotify now. Um, you know, hopefully we'll be back iTunes. up on iTunes here shortly. We, we are. We're we on are? iTunes. Oh, awesome. Yeah, all right, yeah. Cool. I, I auto-downloaded, so we are good, my man. So. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. Peace. Late. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis it's just been a great show indeed i want to thank you josh for joining me let's go ahead and quickly sound off on another list we've got right here 20 to 29 in our top 100 ish movie countdown so i want to hear your thoughts man i'm going to go ahead and count down i know you said you've only seen half of what we got listed i've got it right here for you we're going to start off with number 29 and the batman i can't sing like prince so the original Batman from 1989 movie. Well, actually, it wasn't even the original movie because they kind of did one with Adam West and all that. But Batman with Michael Keaton was coming back to the DC Universe and also Jack Nicholson as well, 1989. 
Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about this a lot over the past few weeks. It's a great movie. I mean, it's not, don't expect it to be like quality of the Dark Knight or, uh, you know, even Batman Forever, Batman Robin, but expect it to be, it's a Tim Burton movie, you know? So it's like, it's very gothic, very dark, but it still feels, and I don't know if I'm the only one who's noticed this, it still feels more grounded than Ben Affleck's Batman. I feel it's a little bit more cosmetic over the top. But I do like Jack Nicholson's performance in it. I think he had his own distinct, I'm going to throw Jack Nicholson into the Joker instead of the Joker into it. Because you see how so many different types of Jokers that have done it. Heath Ledger, and of course, most recently, last year's Joker, where the actors get into the Joker. This is the Joker character getting into Jack Nicholson, because this is Jack Nicholson all the way. And I've always talked about how there are actors that the roles are for them and then or how they get into the roles this is definitely another situation where the role got it was made for jack nicholson as opposed to him getting into the roles but he was just fantastic in it and and michael keaton was very solid and i'm glad to see him coming back to the dc universe again i like the bat fleck i really think there was a future or is a future for the bat fleck I don't think there will be because I think he's just going to go ahead and walk away from the role like he said many times after the the Snyder Cut. But Batman shows that, yes, it's colorfully over the top. It's It's got a whole over-the-top persona that I think a lot of people will still enjoy. It is campy, but it's in a good way. And I think it's something that is far different on the Batman palette than what we're seeing as far as the more serious side with the Batman films of the early 2000s. And then also as well, the Batman series coming up next year with Robert Pattinson in the role. So I think we're going to be seeing a different version of that that's diametrically opposed to what we're seeing with Batman from 1989. Coming up next is Blue Valentine with Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. Romantic film that I think a lot of people will go ahead and enjoy. I got a chance to see a little bit of already. And uh, it's kind of, like I said, it's, it's a... Romantic movie, date movie, things of that nature. Gather around the couch with with the loved one and go ahead and check that out. But again, it showcases the power and, and acting skill of Ryan Gosling, who we love from Blade Runner 2049. We're just going to drop Blade Runner 2049 almost every episode we can. But your thoughts on Blue As Valentine. As it deserves to be. As it deserves to be. But your thoughts on Blue Valentine, my friend. Uh, so funny. I've never seen this, but I specifically remember stocking the movie when I worked at Best Buy and, you know, it sold a few copies and I remember always being curious about it, but never got around to watching it. Watch it with the loved one, my friend. Watch it with loved one. Date night it might get you good, man. Might get you getting good because those, you know, the ladies love Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. You've seen the kind of career she's had. She's actually had a very strong career as well. So Blue Valentine is at number 28. All right, get your war paint on, my friend, because number 27 is Braveheart. Your thoughts on Mel Gibson's Braveheart? I know I know, Mel Gibson's not, uh, you know, his comments are kind of, <laughs> and things he's said, but as a movie, what are your thoughts on Braveheart? All actors are controversial, and Braveheart is amazing. It is, it is so good, so good. I don't even know how to, like, put it into words. Just the way the movie makes you feel... And I, I love how they're able to like put some comedy into some of the more serious parts, you know, with like the the Irishman. It, there's just there's so much about this movie is so well put together, and you know, it's you don't get movies like this anymore. You know, in the past year we've had 
what six or seven movies about Robert the Bruce because everyone's trying to make like the spiritual predecessor to Braveheart. You just nobody puts the budget into movies like this anymore, and it's it's just uh, it it makes me sad because we'll never see something like this again, you know. And it, it, I I can't recommend this movie enough to people who have not seen it and to people who have seen it. Watch it again; it's amazing. And that's number twenty-seven. That's Braveheart. Number 26 is Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones. Uh, it still has a great love amongst baseball fans. It's one of the best baseball films ever made, even though it only touches upon that because that's the field and the ghosts and uh, Ray Liotta from the past and uh, meeting up with him and his character. Your thoughts on Field of Dreams? A lot of people call it like the essential sports movie. I don't think it is. It is a really good film. You know, Kevin Costner had a string of uh, movies that people would say are not his best films, you know, around that era. And I think Build the Dream specifically stands out as being a really great film. You know, they have that classic line, if you build it, they will come. Yes. It's, it's, it's just, it's a feel good movie, you know, something you can sit down on the couch and just kind of like feel good while you're watching it. And that's Field of Dreams. That's at number 26. Number 25 is Godfather 2. So I want to hear your thoughts. People kind of go back and forth on which is better, The Godfather or The Godfather 2. They really think that those two stand apart. Godfather 3, people can take it or leave it. But Godfather 2 seems to be, as a sequel, one of the best sequels ever made. This sounds sad. I had to watch this for a film class and I fell asleep. So I don't, uh, I got maybe about 20 minutes. <laughs> I got about 20 minutes in and I, I don't remember really any of it. Okay, fair enough. But, uh, <laughs> well, hopefully a lot of people will like it and do appreciate it. And obviously people do because it's very high up on our list. It is number 25 and it is Godfather 2. Number 24, a movie I know you do appreciate very much. All right, Josh, start gushing. This, I think, is your all-time favorite movie, if I'm not mistaken. It's number 24. It's Kingdom of Heaven. I mean, we can just end the countdown here. We don't need to go any farther than this. Oh, this yes, we do the, need to go down is, farther. I'm sorry. This is the pinnacle. This King of Heaven is the pinnacle of filmmaking. It's just there. there's nothing beyond this film it's just it's it's the perfect movie it's another historical epic made by ridley scott who actually does these films really good ridley scott of you know robin hood and gladiator fame it's it's really well put together there's like three or four different versions of it out and some of them have his commentary some are longer they explain scenes a little better but it's it's a film that is it has a lot of like gives you a lot of theological and philosophical content to chew on while you're watching it. And I think that's what I really appreciate about it is like the whole idea of how we look at religion, right? Is is the kingdom of heaven something in the mind or is it or is it a physical place? Like I, I love thinking about stuff like that. So this movie really hits home for me. That's Kingdom of Heaven at number twenty four. Number 23 is Magnolia, a film with Tom Cruise, but a, a assembled cast, which tells kind of a unique roundabout story. Uh, it's a little bit around a game show, somebody close to dying in the movie, Jason Robarts, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it, it was a really solid movie. I, I enjoyed it. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's something I, I would recommend. And that's Magnolia at number 23. Did you get a chance to see it yet? I have not. I've seen the cover, 
but I have not seen the movie. <laughs> well, that's Magnolia at number 23. Number 22, I can tell you much more about because to me it is the first quintessential action thriller movie and it set the stage for the action thriller genre. And that is North by Northwest, which I know I'm going to get a lot of heat out there. I know people love Vertigo. I know people love The Birds. I know that people love Psycho. But this, to me, is the best movie ever from Alfred Hitchcock. I think the suspense, I think the mystery, I think, you know, it just put so many different things into place. The mistaken identity aspect of it all. I really think North by Northwest as a fun, it set the bar to me as far as a big budget action thriller. And I think at that time, it nothing had been made like it. So I really, truly respect that. And I think that it is, in my opinion, Alfred Hitchcock's best. And that is number 22. That is North by Northwest. Number 21, Superfly, the original. I mean, it helps set the stage for all those great 1970 movies. I have seen it. I enjoyed it. I don't know if you checked out Superfly, the original, but it's something that I think was really enjoyable. I think it set the stage for coolness of the 1970s. And I really do believe that it's something that if you get a chance, please check it out because Superfly is really a fun watch and I enjoyed it. And that's a number 21 right there. That's Superfly. Number 20 is to me the most off the wall, oddball movie that I didn't even know existed even in my years of living. And I didn't even know it was out there, even my background in, in Hollywood and things of that nature and, and studying the movie industry. And that's the good humor man. The Good Humor Man came out in 1950, as I'm bringing up now for Facebook Live. The thing that I know most from it, that I've seen, I've seen a little bit of clips from it, but George Reeves, the original Superman, was in it. So I tell you, man, this came out of worse. People were voting on it. So The Good Humor Man is at number 20 on our list. How shocking when you first saw that name. I thought that it was a typo. You know, it's it just like you mentioned, you know, George Reeves as he's saving the... Uh, world one good joke at a time is that uh what's going on here well he was a sporting World's actor fastest joke teller yeah well he was a supporting actor and i think this was filmed before he started his role as the superman in the television series that he is most known for but uh, again if you want to check out the good humor man it stars jack carson lola albright gene wallace and of course george reeves that's available that is number 20 on our list of the top 100 ish movie countdown Coming up, we're going to be talking about more on upcoming episodes because we still got a top 20 to do here on the audio version. And we're updating it constantly as far as the top 100-ish movie countdown on our site, popculturecosmos.com. My friend, it's been a great episode. I want to thank you and Brank for stopping by for a few minutes on the Super BS Gamescast. And of course, we've had a lot of great things in the world of pop culture to talk about today. Any last thoughts on the way out? I want to talk about Westworld Season 3 coming up here. So if, if anyone has some thoughts on it, please email them, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. I don't know how I'm feeling about this, and I need to discuss it with somebody. I've had a chance to check out some of the episodes. It To me, again, it's, it's like the whole series. It's up and it's down, and it's up and it's down. It seem like, you know, this is the thing I'm seeing with, with these series, that they get different directors possibly even different writers to do different episodes. And you can see 
the difference from one episode to another and it doesn't always mesh and it doesn't always work and i just seeing these these series it's just sometimes it can be really good but sometimes it can be not so good and that's what i'm seeing with season three is some really episodes are kind of boring but some of them are really good uh so i'll, I'll go ahead and i'll finish it off and we'll go ahead and, and talk about it here on an upcoming episode sounds good Again, we've got a lot of stuff, as always, to talk about. Check us out on our Pop Culture Cosmos on social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, also as well, Facebook. You know, we've got always posting the latest pop culture news and information. And now check us out on TikTok as well. Of course, always check out our live streams. Lakers Fast Break, we're doing a whole bunch of them. Go ahead and check out that as well. Super BS Gamescast, always check that out on Anchor Podcast and wherever you get your podcasts and upcoming to the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. Listen to the beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great I'm Brittany Vitrino. And I'm Martha Bartlett. We've been nerds since day one, and we love to talk. And now we're your hosts of But, but First, Let's, Let's Talk Nerdy. Come listen if you like anything from comics, anime, video games, sci-fi, and even history. Just sit back, relax, even join us with a drink in hand, because we'll have one in ours too, and come talk nerdy with us every Tuesday. We are now a proud member of the ESO Network, and you can download wherever you like to listen. See you next Tuesday. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.